Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And once again, welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 235. Well, it's the last episode of the year, 235, not episode 250. Fell a little short of making it to my goal of 250 episodes that I set for myself on New Year's Eve last year. But while I may have fallen a little bit short in getting to the 250 episode milestone, 2021 was without a doubt the breakout year for the back of the range. This is the 60th episode released this year. Now, you know I say it all the time, but every episode is available in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or you can go check out the website, thebackoftherange.com. Some of the guests that have joined me for a conversation this year, just to name a few. I mean, how about Bob Ford, former head pro at Oakmont and Seminole. Bruce McGill, the actor that played Walter Hagen in The Legend of Bagger Vance. How about Paul Simpson, the amateur legend from North Carolina that's played in 70, that's right, 70 USGA championships. Got Amelia Miliacho and Rachel Keene from the Curtis Cup team. Ina Kim Shad, former U.S. women's mid-amateur champion. And yes, of course, Stuart Hagestad was a guest again this year during the Seminole sessions, previewing the Walker Cup matches and then he goes on to win the U.S. Mid-Am. Coincidence? Nope, that's called back-of-the-range mojo. That's what that is. Now, 2021 was also the year that I started providing more on-site content at amateur and collegiate golf championships. That's really caused the rapid growth and reach of the back-of-the-range within the world of amateur golf. Many of you have said to me throughout the year, man, you're always on the road, man, you're everywhere, Well, I actually went back and looked it up. In 2021, I was at 19 golf tournaments. There are many people and organizations to thank for allowing me to have unrestricted access to the best players in the game during these prestigious events. The USGA, the Western Golf Association, the Jones Cup and Sea Island, Merido Golf Club, the NCAA, the SEC, Palmetto Amateur, Shoal Creek, Seminole Golf Club, those are just a handful of the organizations and the people within those organizations that have allowed me to do what I've done this year. i got to also thank all the players and the parents and the friends and the coaches that have shared their time and stories with me throughout the year, so I'm able to pass them along to you, the listener. You don't just get this level of access because you're tall and good-looking. I've been able to share these stories and point a camera at the best players in the world all year long, and it's thanks to the welcoming atmosphere that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of, and I don't take this opportunity and responsibility lightly. Finally, and most importantly, thank you to everyone that listens to the back of the range. For everyone, and there were more and more of you this year that stopped me at a tournament and say, hey, aren't you the back of the range guy? That never gets old, and it never will. I even had two people ask to take selfies with me at the Western Amateur. Was it a prank? Were they bribed to do it by some drunken buddies? I don't care. It was awesome. But seriously, getting recognized for what the back of the range has become in just four short years 
is incredible, and it really does mean the world to me. So before we get to the last episode of 2021, you might be thinking what lies ahead for 2022. Well, I'm going to get to 250 episodes, first things first. That's that's going to be done shortly. Think I can do another 60 in 2022? Absolutely. What about covering 19 tournaments? Well, I think we're going to bump that up to about 25 tournaments in 2022. I'm going to be at more tournaments, more women's events, more junior events, mid-am events, yeah. Senior events, most likely. I'm going to be anywhere and everywhere, so make sure that you're following on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find all those links at thebackoftherange.com. My final guest of 2021 is Will Zalatoris. This is his third appearance at the Back of the Range. We always have a good conversation, but I haven't had the chance to speak with him in quite some time. You see, we were both a little busy this year. You know what I was up to, and you probably were also following Will's progression as well. Now, you know that Will didn't just come out of nowhere to finish second at the Masters this year, because you listened to this podcast. But during this episode, we spoke about the chain of events at the beginning of the year that had him shooting up the official world golf rankings to get himself into the Masters field. We also spoke about how he has balanced the newfound fame and opportunities that have come his way. Now, Will was first a guest on the back of the range on episode 97 back in October of 2019. This was right after the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. His world golf ranking was 610. Now it's 33. I mean, this is, I mean, it's the back of the range mojo, right? You know it's true. I hope you all have a great new year. Stay healthy. Keep chasing the little white ball around and listening to the back of the range golf podcast. Again, thank you all for your support. Enjoy this final episode of 2021. Will? Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> well, we squeezed you in. We figured out a way to do it. Um, and because of odd scheduling, neither one of us right now is at home. Um, you're out in California, going to take some time off, do a little wine tasting. And um, I'm over in uh, in Georgia. I'm in Sea Island. I'm getting ready to cover the Jones Cup Junior Invitational. And because I'm a dork with all things amateur golf, let's start off. Please tell me about the 2015 Jones Cup Invitational that you played in. A nice solid T14. What do you remember about that week? Yeah, nice solid T14, I think, with like three triples. Um, I mean, I didn't get that, yeah, deep. I mean, I didn't get that deep into it. I'm trying to set you up here. That's a nice <laughs> T20. Why we got to go dark on me? Come on now. Yeah, I think, what was it, 73, 77, 73 maybe? All right, well, that's freaky. That's exactly right. All right, now that's settled. Are you, yeah, 73, 77. How do you remember something like that? What's wrong with you? I don't know. I I do have a pretty good golf memory, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, but I just remember that I had taken, I think we played the, um, yeah, we played the Walker cup practice squad for 2015. So I guess it was the end of 2014, but for the 2015 team, we were over at Frederica and I literally did not really touch a golf club until I came back to, um, uh, Ocean Forest, which you know, everyone always talks about how it's just such a brutal golf course. Everyone, all the college kids will always kind of do the same thing where it's like, hey, you know, we just had 
finals. Let's try to, you know, we had a long fall season. We've got a long spring season coming up. Let's try to get some rest. And, you know, all the top guys, you know, what do they do? Well, let's just go play our first tournament to start off our calendar year in 40 degrees, blowing 30. Yes. Hazards on hazards on both sides, you know, but then there's years where it doesn't blow. And then all of a sudden you see guys put up some low numbers. But I love that tournament. I mean, it's uh, – You've got to, I mean, my goodness, they're, what is it, like 15, I think. I maybe played in like probably six over or something just awful just because I didn't sniff it in the fairway once. But um, that's a good event. I mean, I always tell guys, you know, play as much as you can. So that's uh, that was always the one that I like starting off at. Yeah, last this year, actually, I keep, I keep thinking it's already 22, but it's only 2021 still. But, yeah, this year in February, that was my first time there, and, Everyone was talking about the, uh, you know, the, the Jones Cup weather, and like, what are you talking about? It's like sixty-five. It's not blowing. It's sunny. It's gorgeous. They're like, just wait. I'm like, what do you? I still didn't get it. And then I think it was the second day. It just was forty-five. Like I said, forty-five, fifty, and blowing and rainy and shitty. And just I was like, oh, I, this this does suck. Um, fun fact: Davis Riley, uh, T five that week, pretty solid. And then I I couldn't help but notice that um, T forty-five was uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Chase Kepka, which, I mean, you never see those two names, Kepka and DeChambeau, together in a sentence ever. Um, so, you know, that that was uh, an interesting week. Now, you um, you just now enjoyed a nice little trip to, to Naples. You came down to Florida, Naples, Florida. You got to play the QB shootout as a last-minute replacement, and your partner was Sean O'Hare. Did you really, did you really tell him that you played him um, in the PGA Tour video game when you were a kid you didn't really do that did you oh god yeah i mean i you know as very typical of me just because i've got a blabber mouth i um you know because we'd spent a good amount of time together just in like literally player dining over the last like two or three years we've never played around a golf together oh, so really? the only time yeah the only time that we've ever really spent time with each other is just you know player dining or hitting balls on the range or whatever and uh you know, so of course, as always, I, you know, butter up my, my partner. I mean, he's striping it on the, on the, I guess it was the Thursday pro-am and, you know, just telling him how good he's playing and blah, blah, blah. And then of course, after a couple of days, you know, we start making fun of each other and, you know, and I may or may not have mentioned that in 2000, I think I was, uh, tiger because they did this like thing it shows you this uh, we're all of a sudden my memory is going to end up being a thing after this episode but okay. they did this they did this thing where you basically had a head-to-head match with a creative character against one of the pros and it went all the way to like gary player and jack nicholas and oh, wow. all the legends of the game and i used sean for part of it because he was such a good ball striker <laughs> perfect now was that turn you know i've I've never been to that tournament, but it always seemed to me that it was kind of like, kind of like a hit and giggle. I mean, I know there's money involved, but you really don't pick up any ranking points. It's not affecting anything as far as that goes. And you know, you're in Naples. No, Naples I mean, you're in Naples. It's the beach. You're you're staying at the Ritz Carlton. I mean, is it is is it the same? Ju- I mean, it's not gonna be the same juice as a major, but do you get the juices flowing a little bit, or is it still just kind of vacation golf? I think. It's a mixed bag. I think on Sunday when you're playing your own ball and anything can happen, I think if you get any of us in contention, you love it. But, you know, 
we've got dinners every week with sponsors and you know i'm walking down nine fairway the last day and a few people ask for pictures and i just go over to the side of the ropes and take pictures with them i mean you'll never see me right. do anything like that in a regular event you know a couple guys were that were trying to see if uh we could have some cocktails out there, you know, while we were playing and they're like, you know, we are on TV. Let's behave ourselves guys, you know? Um, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, they, they killed it. I mean, they just, it, that event's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think next year it's actually around the dates are kind of roughly around when I'm going to end up getting married. So, but in the future, that's one that's always going to be circled on there and hopefully down the road, I can maybe get my, former roommate as my partner so see now there you go yeah you and Davis. well he's your brand he's your brand ambassador by the way if you took his back to the range podcast hat away from him i think he'd i don't know what he'd do with himself i am actually going to put him on a full full endorsement deal next year um we're gonna we're gonna get something set up uh i i could i mean i'm not sure if if, if i can you know interest you in anything i know times are tough and you know finding shirts and hats to wear is probably your big concern right now but yeah i need to get him uh, upgraded because um yeah that was one of the funnier parts of, of 2020 seeing him on the putting green at merido like 30 minutes after you mentioned it to me you're like you know riley wears your damn hat everywhere it looks like shit and then like 20 minutes later there he is and you're right that hat literally looked like he cleaned out a garbage disposal with it it was disgusting. yeah i mean sweat stains i mean just smells like motor oil i mean it's just awful so well, i mean do you think it's wise to get him all new stuff do you think that's going to be the thing to get him up to the pga tour or do you think you let him ride with that and then once he gets there you refresh them what do you think's the best way to go i mean the one thing i will say is uh if he's got those hats smelling like that and looking like that it means he's working his tail off so see I, that's i'm kind of i'm kind of with you maybe i'll just let him know that there's stuff waiting for him at the end of the rainbow i mean yes the pga tour card is up there, but really just the fresh back of the range hats is really the main focus. I can't believe we've dissolved into this conversation, but that's okay. So speaking of big, big, you know, big, uh, you know, kind of jumps, you were a guest on episode 97 back at the uh, kind of October 2019 after Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Your official world golf rank was about 6'10". Now you're 33. Um, just... I mean, we're talking just a little over 24 months, a little over two years. You make this jump and all that's in between. Do you ever get a chance to even stop, sit, and, you know, not go out and beat balls and just look back and say, holy shit, did I really do that? <laughs> yes, but no. I, you know, I think any competitor wants to constantly get better. Um, and that's, you know, definitely me. I mean, now it's the end of this calendar year um i'm kind of able to sit back and reflect on it a little bit now i mean that's why i think that's why i'm saying yes but no is because i think over the next couple of weeks i'll kind of be able to process everything um you know it just went by so fast i mean even the last two years i'm not even talking about just the past you know eight to ten months where things have really taken off for me it's it's more so of you know just thinking once. back and I know I, 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 I just say I know I've mentioned this a bunch but it's like you know thinking back to those two years ago where I'm possibly going to be playing some mini tour events and going to Canada Q school and you know Monday into a couple corn ferry events and then finishing second in Canada Q school which I never went to Canada because I ended up getting corn ferry status and then 
you know, it just, it's just amazing how times change. And, um, but I think more so I've done, I'm going to kind of done some reflecting at least in terms of, you know, just how wild the first really 10 weeks of this year was. Cause I played seven weeks in a row starting in California, finishing in Florida. And then like, it just, everything, it, it was just a gentle progression, I guess is how I'm going to go with, yeah. with it was going from I made Eagle in the last hole in San Diego to finish top 10 to get me into the next week. Um, I ended up getting another sponsor's invite in there. I finished, had like a couple more, you know, so I made all seven cuts in seven weeks. And so top 10, like 17th, like 16th, something like that and played terrible at Pebble. But that, that those finishes were good enough for me to be top 50. So then that got me in, that got me into the WGC event. Um, had a halfway decent finish there and then top, or I think I would I finished she, she 22 uh, tenth, yeah, tenth well, at Arnold Palmer. Yeah. 22. Yeah, finished 10th at, yeah. at Arnold Palmer, which gets me top 50 into players and then play halfway decent there, which then gets me into the match play. And I'm now all of a sudden I'm after the match play, I'm locked into the masters. So we go from possibly playing one or two events to you know maybe two or three if i'm lucky in terms of sponsors invites to you've just played seven out of the last nine weeks and you've worked your way into the top 50 in the world golf ranking and you'll be playing your first masters where in reality that was not even on remotely you know in the picture three months prior so let me um, so let me just stop you there to just kind of follow up on this. This is something that basically, you know, because you know who you're back at the range, a lot of what we talk about are amateurs. So I'm going to take a lot of what you say during this episode and see if amateurs can relate to it. You know, let's just take, for example, that next summer you're going to have elite amateurs trying to play tournaments that you've won, the Transmiss, the Pack Coast. They're going to be playing in this constant summer series that could potentially lead them into, you know, playing in a, in a USAM or maybe in a Walker Cup year, making themselves uh, attractive to get a pick to be on a Walker Cup team. You're obviously not, you know, you're probably not going home at any time in those seven weeks. You're constantly traveling. I'm guessing you're not, you know, what, what is your approach in those seven weeks? Do you look at the end of the tunnel saying, hey, I might be able to get into the Masters, or do you just keep your head down? Do you remember even consciously thinking about your approach during that time? Yeah, no, I definitely do. I mean, I'm, I'm very, you know, I keep a journal so I can go back and see, you know, ideas and thoughts and the, you know, kind of the internal dialogue of what was going on okay. at, at any given time. And, you know, in reality, I, the masters, all that really wasn't on my, you know, wasn't on my horizon. I was more so, I think it was, it was just fun, you know, because it's like I'm now playing against the best players in the world. And and I think it really kind of hit me, I think, in that month and a half off from, you know, that November to January was it was like, man, you, you know, you've accomplished your goal of being on the PGA Tour and especially how I did it um, in terms of, you know, finishing sixth in the open and having a couple more top tens and turning that into special temporary status and, in essentially a six week span. Um, I think it was just more so of just having a lot of fun and, and enjoying it and wanting to just get better at, 
at the game. You know, I wasn't really thinking about winning tournaments or, you know, oh, doing well or, oh, you know, whatever, you know, making X amount of dollars. Like, it really was just trying to get better. Right. And quite frankly, that's something I've talked about a lot with my team was I was really forcing it later on in the year um, when it came down to trying to make a Ryder Cup that I was playing more golf than I should have. I was practicing way harder than I should have. And and my body just broke down, you know, and it, and it came to a peak at the British. And so, you know, for me, like when I think about the parallels of when I tried to make the 2015 Walker cup team coming back from an appendectomy and trying to basically just play my way onto that team. It, it was not a, a good motivation is what I'm getting at. Right. And when I think back to that seven week stretch, it was all about, Hey, just get better at golf. And I know if I, you know, execute everything properly, like, yeah, I've got a chance to win. And it's the same thing. And, you know, the same mindset that I really had in 2015. And then after I missed in 2016 was, Hey, just go get better at golf today. And, you know, go try to, you know, whatever you're working on, just try to find some improvements and who cares what you shoot. And it's kind of hard because it's, you know, even some of the kids that I counsel in terms of, you know, their games and then out there, a couple of them are now in college. I tell them that the many freakouts or the trying to accomplish something are where it just makes it, you know, the game we love unhealthy is honestly kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing, you know, because I think that it's going to make you want to get better and you'll learn from it, but you'll also, you know, you're just not going to play as well. And, forcing things just isn't the answer and so you know i think back to 15 when i missed and tried to play in six or seven events and you know tried to make a team and then i struggled for a little while and in 2016 that summer i was like hey i just need to try to get better at golf and you know i need to get better with my putting get better with my wedges you know i got to drive the golf ball better and just take everything you know step by step and i ended up winning the transmiss and the pack coast really off of a my worst college year that i had had um, had no signs of life at all and, and came out that July and um, won those two. And then actually I wasn't even qualified for the USA and that's how, how far back I had fallen. And, wow. um, and I ended up shooting 63 the last round to get me into the USAM. So it's just, it's kind of funny how, um, I'm sorry, I know I'm going. No, you're good, up. but it sounds like you're seeing a I know parallel. I'm, you're seeing parallels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, say, I know I'm rambling on this, but there, I see a lot of parallels, especially, you know, over my last year, um, you know, to really kind of my 2014 uh, amateur season and even a little bit of my 2016 amateur season where it's kind of like, hey, you know, it's you got to make the game fun. You got to work at it. You know, if, if you've made it this far, you obviously love it and just make sure you don't lose the love. And I think for me, you know, I, I'm a golf junkie where it's like, you know, we played the QB shootout this past week and then I played golf yesterday. You know, it's like, dude, it's December. You don't have a tournament for six weeks. You're just coming back from your last event of the season. And the first thing you do is go play golf. Like what's wrong with you? Well, I mean, and, but that's it. But that's just who I am. And so I think if anything, you know, it's been a, it's uh it's kind of funny just seeing the parallels of all long story short. No. And, and it's also just such a weird year. I mean, you end up, you end up winning rookie of the year for 21 and you start the year with no status that hasn't happened in 20 years. Um, Charles, how the third is the last, last person to do something like that. And, 
I'm guessing too, like even, I know you said you're trying to make that Ryder Cup team, but you know, you're not an official member of the PGA Tour. You're racking up points, but you can't benefit from the points unless you pull off a win. You know, you have your card wrapped up, but you're kind of, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you can kind of go into all these tournaments realizing that, okay, you know, I'm not going to reap the benefit unless I win. If I miss a cut, no big deal. Yeah, if I make a top 10, uh, you know, pick up some other points or, you know, pick up some cash and it helps my career. But it's like you're in a unique situation where if I don't win, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't change too much. So it's like going to a scramble. You know, 15 under isn't going to do it. You got to get to 24 under. So were you looking at the year at all as, as a, hey, go out and try and win and just, you know, throw everything against the wall and see what happens? Yeah, totally. I mean, at the start, uh, most definitely. Um, you know, I think really in the middle of the year was when I was really trying to force things and overworked. And, um, you know, I, I think it's but definitely trying to be a, a part of that FedEx Cup. And, and you know, the, obviously the mission is to go win a golf tournament. But there's a little bit of a lesson in that in that you know, if you work towards something where it's like a, you know, work towards, you know, a, a rank or whatever, you know, it's just not gonna, it just doesn't move the needle for you. I mean, we, we picked up golf clubs when we were little kids just because we love the game and, right. you know, we played junior events because we like the competition. And, you know, if you're really into it, then you move on to the next level and then the next level. And it's like, Hey, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting there thinking, Hey, I need to be in top 25 in the world, you know, by the end of the month, right. it's like, you know, it's like, Hey, you, you know, what is, that's not healthy, but you know, I, I was trying to, you know, really, I kind of had that attitude in the sense where it was like every week I was just trying to make myself a, a rider cut number. Whereas before that, it was like, Hey, if you go shoot 65 today, it kind of matters as you know, on a Saturday, you know, or so really like, you know, if I shot any score, I guess, you know, on the weekend, it was kind of like, well, if I didn't win, it didn't really matter. Right. Um, you know, so I think it was, you know, I've learned a lot from this year, especially, but I think definitely the most important one is just, you know, taking it step by step and not having to worry about, you know, rank or, you know, FedEx Cup rank or, oh, you know, this is BS. You should be a part of the FedEx Cup playoffs. I'm like, well, you know, complaining about it, it's not really going to solve anything. So let's, you know, let's just have a good attitude and, and go enjoy it. Well, and, it's, and again, you know, I came close a lot, you know, oh, my yeah. goodness. I mean, so, well, it's also, I mean, not that you're not striving to win, but it's also nice to know, at least in my mind, Hey, there are rules set up that's going to that's going to prevent this from happening. There's no need to to you know fight the system. It is what it is, and still, it's a nice kind of a, I mean, kind of a shoulder year to get you ready for this year. I don't know. I mean, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of how I was looking at. It. And then you mentioned Ryder Cup. I don't. I mean, did you get a call from Captain Stricker? Um, I actually. So we had played a lot. I mean, was it, uh, is it that close? Is that kind of what I was asking? Was no, I, in the, in the end, I was definitely not that close. Okay. Um, the main, I mean, the, the really big deciding factor of me not being close is just that I couldn't, you know, I, I, all these guys were playing the playoffs and, yeah. you know, it's like Finau goes and wins and you know he's got a spot locked up. And, you know, I just basically had to rely on the, really the junk golf that I played the last two months of the season and, 
Um, you know, I, they, I, I they, didn't had more they had more time to state their case, but yeah, 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 exactly. And, and I had played nine holes with him and Phil, um, or with Steve Stricker, Phil and Zach Johnson, actually at the PGA this year. And actually, well, I'll tell you a really funny story about that later. I like but, funny stories. Um, yeah, we can get out of this deep raw raw talk that we've got going so far. I'm, I'm sorry um, to bore you with your career, Will. It's my that's my that's bad, <laughs> that's bad staff work. No, but uh, but we had talked a lot, um, kind of around the week of the PGA, and and I honestly I just sent him a text um, after Wyndham where I just said, hey, I just you know we hadn't talked over the last you know couple months, and I know I'm not going to be a part of the team, but I just want to say thanks for being in the prosper, you know allowing me to be a part of the process, you know, they have me do all the fittings and, um, you know, they sent out some emails, you know, just amongst the guys that were possibly going to be amongst or be on the team. Right. Um, and so just knowing the inner workings, I just said like, Hey, I just didn't want to be that guy where it's like, you know, you don't hear from me ever again, you know? So just want to say thanks for the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. And he nice. actually called me. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I just, honestly, I just didn't want to be that guy where it's, you know, maybe fix some sour grapes or something, you know? Yeah, or, no, I'm, I'm serious. I, that's a, that's a smart, uh, that's a smart way to do it. That's, that's yeah. the right thing to do. Well, and so, you know, he had to call me. He's just like, yeah, you know, you're, you're not going to make it. And I'm like, well, I thank you. Thank yes, you. I'm well <laughs> really let you uh, down easy, didn't he? Boy. That yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, any, any worse than I would have been saying I'm, I'm, withdrawing my name from consideration even that, though there's no consideration right that's what i would have done uh, actually i said listen i <laughs> i have i just listen i, I got other things um maybe <laughs> maybe maybe in a couple of years but i just you know it's not gonna work this time yeah exactly yeah you guys are gonna win by 15 so you don't need me um josh that's but uh yeah, yeah no so we i've kind of went through the whole process and it was very cool but um, you know, that's, that's a big goal of mine. You know, the Walker cup was my biggest, um, goal, at least I had in terms of an amateur career. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I really wanted to win the U S junior, which I got that. I really wanted the U S Sam, which I, I only made it to the round of 16 twice. Um, but making a Walker cup team, just wanting to represent your country. It's just, there's just no better feeling. I mean, it's just, especially how, you know, Robbie Zelznick and, you know, all the guys there, they just take such good care of you throughout the week. And it's, it's the off course stuff, the week leading up to it, that makes it even that much more special too. But yeah, it, it just getting that taste when I played that on that Walker cup team, um, really made a lasting impression on me that's gonna be a tough one for you because and i don't mean it and i don't mean it has anything to do with your skill level i mean you're you're right there i'm just saying that's gonna be a tough one for you because i mean you you mentioned on our on the previous episode where like you you got emotional and was kind of kind of crying a little bit when you got that invite for the for the walker cup team in 17 that Ryder cup thing is going to be just as difficult the beauty of this one, or at least of like the Ryder cup is that it's just, there's just so much history and yeah. it's just, it may, you just, I mean, if you look up top 10 Ryder cup moments, you know, at least for me, I'll be looking at USA moments cause I don't want to see any euros, but Love it. Love I mean, it. but it's just, you know, Lanny Watkins, you know, on 18 hitting the wedge. I mean, him just, you know, strutting his, his shoulders, yep. you know, there's, 
all those just, you know, obviously think of Leonard on 17 at yeah. Brookline and it just all these crazy cool memories that, um, you know, that you just want to be a part of. So there's nothing like it. When That's you, for sure. Now, did you watch a lot of the, the Ryder Cup of Whistling Straits? I mean, you got Scheffler and you got Morikawa. Those are 2017 teammates in the Walker Cup. And, and I mean, you know, you played a lot yeah, of golf no, with Scheffler. I, I mean, that had to have been just seeing like, okay, I'm going to be a part of this. Like, oh, my God. Because this is really – this is kind of when the U.S. flipped the script. I mean, we've been getting the shit kicked out of us. And now the team is not just points-wise and winning, but – the team is just so young now. I mean, Dustin Johnson is the old man on the team. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's really this has really turned turned a corner. Yeah, and you know, I really do think that you know, in terms of putting guys together, um, I think they've really started to figure out the art of it. You know, like Colin and DJ played together, which she would have kind of. I'm not saying that. You know, some guys wouldn't have put them in there, but I mean, that's not your immediate go-to. You would probably think you'd go, all right, I got Cantley, Shoffley, um, Jordan, JT, yep. or Brooks and, and Boogie together because they're Florida State guys. You know, maybe DJ and Brooks, you know, or, you know, you could put DJ and Harris. Their games are a little bit more of the same, so you could think of them in terms of a four ball. I mean, there's just there's so many like easy ones you can go with, but then it's like, yeah, Colin's going to play with DJ and you're like, Oh man, this actually makes perfect sense now. Be- mainly because it, especially an alternate shot, they're playing the same equipment. Yep, so that helps yep, with the ball. hundred percent. But the fact that in four ball, you've got Colin who would be more steady Eddie off the tee and give himself as many looks and kind of be old man par. And DJ can just send him out there and have wedges in and, you know, hopefully he can make some birdies and while well, he made plenty of birdies and Colin definitely made plenty of birdies and, you know, their games matched up great in the foursome. So, you know, we, the talent is definitely incredible to see, but I think also the pairings were very, um, were really well done. So I think it's, uh, it's going to be a fun run and I hope that, like I said, I want to be a part of that so badly. Oh yeah, no, I I think that's in that's definitely in your future. Before you forget or I forget, because you know either both of us it could happen. Let's let's hear the Phil story since we're talking about. Yeah, it. I mean that, I don't want to miss this one. Holy yeah, shit, when so, he gets to be a captain, oh my god. <laughs> well, so I I'll kind of give you the full story. Stricker ends up getting my number and says, "Hey, do you want to play nine holes Monday of the PGA?" you know, just to get to know each other a little bit. And I'm like, well, absolutely. would love to. He said, yeah, I'll grab Zach Johnson and, you know, the three of us will play. And I'm like, well, perfect. I mean, I know Zach, you know, they're, I mean, Zach and Steve are two of literally the nicest guys out there. And Zach's always been crazy nice to me. Played with him in the U S open earlier. uh, I guess it was 20 fall of 2019, I think, or no. Yeah, fall of twenty. Yeah, I don't even remember. This whole super season year is really throwing yeah, me off. It's but nuts. um, but um, so we end up going to get tested for we're getting COVID tested, and Phil pulls in and you know you know hey Cap how are you doing and I'm like oh yeah. that's that's typical Phil, <laughs> and you know just loud he's got the sunglasses on and. And so Steve invites him to play golf with us. 
And so I'm kind of like sending a few texts to some guys of being like, you know, how much cash do I need to bring today? You know, oh. what, you know I'm just like, <clears throat> like I'm game for it. Don't get me wrong. I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And so I needless to say, everyone just said, Hey, just set the terms on the first hole and right. you guys will be fine. And I was just like, I just want to make sure just cause I didn't know. Right. Well, you just, but, yeah, you gotta know, you gotta know who you're around and what the, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so it ends up being Zach and me taking on Phil and Steve and so they called it the old guys versus the young guys. And Zach is the young guy at 44 years old. Love it. Um, I think he's 40, yeah, 43 or 44. But, um, you know, we get off to the first hole and Phil hits it to like 30 feet, makes it. Okay, whatever. Second hole, he hits it in there to like a couple feet. You know, okay, no big deal. And then finally on three, he hits it on the very front edge of the green and then makes like a 20-footer. And he's, you know, doing his usual Phil peacocking, and he says uh, says it loud enough to where everyone in the crowd can hear it. And he, and he goes, hey, Cap, we're 3023. I mean, why are we more up by now? This is unbelievable. You know, and just, you know, of course – you know, my looking over at my caddy, like, here we go. This it's starting. And so then finally they close this out on six. So Phil ended up burning one, two, three, five, eight, nine in the nine holes that we played. And you know, I, okay, you had a nice day. It's Monday. The pins are in the middle of the greens. Was I expecting him to win the or win the PGA? Hell no. I mean, but he was playing some very nice golf. I mean, it was really evident. And so it's just kind of funny to see, you know, looking back, playing with them. But the real kicker of this, of that experience was we get on to seven right after they close us out. And, you know, Phil's asking if we want to, you know, kind of go double or nothing the last three. And of, of Zach and I, after watching Phil birdie one, two, three, five, and I think Stricker birdied four so yeah. they were 500 through six yeah, you're not stupid no i'm like you know what take take our money and go away can't wait for this nine holes to be over with right. um and so i hit this just high bomb cut on seven over the bunker like 325 cover and it just takes off and and phil just says god i just i love your smooth speed i mean it's just you got such great width and you know it's just awesome Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm kind of thinking, mm-hmm. and you know, and and yeah. he goes, sorry, I just love to butter up people after I beat the shit out of mm-hmm. them. And I'm, yeah, thank, thank you, Phil. <sighs> fig jam, fig jam. Yeah, exactly. See? King fig jam. Yep. So that was uh, I've told that story to a bunch of my buddies, and they they've always loved it. But I played a film Detroit late, or later on in the summer, and um. We had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. So, you know, he's it, you know, it's the thing that's so funny is it's Sunday of Detroit, you know. We're both like in 60 millionth place and you know, teeing off first thing in the morning, and he's out there trying a new mini driver, and you know, oh, I'm gonna, you know, maybe put my driver in a new setting today and you know, okay, maybe I'll try this arm lock putter just for hits, you know, just for giggles, and, and it's just like I mean, the guy's, you know, 50-51, and right. he just wants to get better, and he's the ultimate competitor. And, you know, I've, 
unfortunately been I'm 0-1, and I'm very much looking forward to getting it back someday soon. Well, I mean, there's not going to be any shortage of opportunities because he's going to play in PGA Tour events. He's going to go whip the shit out of the guys in the Champions Tour whenever he feels like it. I um, I, I wonder, do you think it it, it kind of chews at him that he won the PGA but didn't get on that Ryder Cup team? I think he understood just because oh, it's oh, oh yeah I know. oh he didn't deserve a pick I'm not saying that I'm saying that yeah. he just he didn't we wasn't able to parlay the PGA Championship keep it kind of going to the point where they're like yeah he's the PGA champion and yeah he's a I mean I kind of was like shit that would have been a nice old cap to his career if he oh made no that. totally yeah and I mean especially because it. <laughs> You know, it's like I'm going out trying to have a nice little, you know, intro to Steve and like, you know, get to know him. Oh, and, and he just bum rushes and the Phil, entire you know, thing. Phil's like, yeah, Phil's like, hey, Steve's my partner today. And, you know, and I'm going to hold court for the entire day. And I'm like, all right, Steve, maybe I'll meet you another time. Yeah, I look gonna, forward to playing golf with you today. It's like when you have like a meet, you meet someone, at, the, uh, you know, meet a colleague at the bar and you want to really have a talk. And then some someone recognizes that guy and like, oh, great to yeah. see. You. And you're like, oh, shit, I just became third wheel. And how the, I, yeah, yep. no, I, I love I love playing golf with Phil. I mean, oh, it's, it, a, it's a show. It's got to be it's got to be like, I mean, you're, you've been around every I mean, in your short career, you've played on the biggest stages, you've played in majors. But still, that has to be just a very unique subset of like, OK. I'm I'm getting to see something that I don't normally get to see, even though I'm I'm a PJ Tour player. Yeah, no, and I mean even you know playing, you know a practice round with Phil the week he wins a major is kind of like yeah, oh, that was bucket list. <laughs> yeah, I'm like okay, that's pretty cool. I mean, you don't and you don't even have to wind him up to get him going for a story or anything. It's more like you got to like, can you just shut up a little bit because I'd like to actually play or do you just you just forfeit your day just to see what you get out of him put it this way i felt bad for zach because i was completely useless um, okay but that being said that was uh you just gotta you gotta try to knock the wind out of him i mean i feel like gary payton you know in the last dance uh, yeah. series when he's like i gotta keep hitting him and banging him you know hitting him and banging him you uh -huh. know, it goes on and on and and MJ's like, I had no problem with the glove. I know, I that's, know. that's literally how I feel about Phil. Is I feel like Gary Payton, like, oh, you just gotta knock, just gotta kind of knock him in there early. And it's like, nope, Phil's Phil. All it takes is one shot, and he's back in it. Well, as much as I think we should talk about Phil more because he doesn't get a lot of publicity, we're gonna pivot away from him and just kind of <laughs> actually, we'll we'll get back to talking about you. Obviously, um, you know, we could make an entire episode about talking about the masters, but we're not going to do that. But, you know, finishing runner up, you're again, non-member getting in really, you know, in the top 50. And, and like you said, we earlier, you really were kind of hovering in that 43, 44 range. And the thing that I enjoyed so much about that week is, you know, you play solid the entire week. Um, you know, you had that quote, uh, you know, if I'm stupid enough to think I can play here, I'm stupid enough to think I can win here. Or, or dumb enough or whatever, but similar. Yeah. To, yeah. And I, I love watching the interviews because, you know, I was kind of get the, I was kind of getting the impression that the media was like, okay, this is a really great story. This kind of, uh, you know, unknown, so to speak from the corn fair. Oh, let's see. Oh yeah. He's a Walker cup right? How about, okay, good for him. And, but kind of felt like as you get into Thursday, fr well, as you get into Saturday, they're like, okay, cool story. But you know, um, He's probably going to shoot 78 tomorrow, and that'll be that, and he'll finish T12. And, and what an experience. Oh, just a really great 
and all that shit. Um, I remember distinctly thinking they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I don't, you know, don't know if he's going to win tomorrow, but I know he's not going to shoot 78. I was kind of thinking probably the worst he's going to shoot is even par and you shoot 70. What were your thoughts going into the final round? Because you kind of knew where you stood. Um, yeah. Again, you're kind of again you're kind of playing with house money, being the fact that okay, if I don't win, I, I, I mean, obviously you want to be exempt for next year, but what were you thinking about with your legitimate expectations for the following day for the final round? Well, I think honestly, I was more nervous going into Saturday's round just because it's you know I hadn't been in the final group of even any PGA Tour event and. You know, I I know how to play under pressure, but that's different. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This is technically the most amount of pressure that I had ever felt. And you know, I got on the first tee and was like, you know, hey, this is like riding a bike. But you know, you need to, you know, enjoy this as much as you can. And I honestly hit the worst shot I had hit all week was my first tee shot on Friday because I hit it so th- I was hitting driver off a of water hitting three wood basically through just shorter driver over if we had the wind and I was trying to drive it down wind and ended up hitting it so thin and so in the heel that it too hopped into the bunker um and then caught the lip on the way out had like 80 yards to back right then and hit it to like 15 feet and made it for par on the first hole and that settled my nerves in completely sure um you know, and I made a nice birdie on three and just kind of kept the momentum going. And, um, really when I could, I knew I could handle playing in the final group and not realizing that it's the same thing. You know, it's just, I try to treat every round like it's the same, but that one, just because it means so much to me that I wanted, that I knew that I was going to have to make a conscious effort to try to make it just a regular day of golf and Sunday I was, it just was basically all systems go. I mean, I was not going to leave anything behind in terms of effort or play with any reservations or, you know, second guessing anything. Um, You know, it's like you put yourself in that situation and I've worked that hard to get there that, you know, why should I be, you know, hesitant about, you know, this club or that club. I mean, we need to be 110% today. And, you know, if you're going to go down swinging, go down swinging. And, um, you know, I think the part that was interesting was after I started off birdie birdie on one and two, um, you know, I, I just, you know, Hideki made bogey on one. It's just, I, I just remember feeling so calm. Right. And I was like, dude, you're one shot back with 15 holes to you know, 16 holes to go at the Masters and you're calm. Like, you know, just remember this moment and, you know, realize that, you know, when you get yourself here again, like, dude, you can do it, you know. And, um, you know, I, honestly, I, I'm three putted 10 from like 50 feet from the back of the green, you know, kind of whatever. It's such a tough bite, you know, you can live with, live with bogey. Then made a good par in 11 and 12. I ended up making bogey, hit a horrible shot in there, left the barely covered the water left and chipped it up there to about five feet with about a foot of break in it and just under read it or just kind of didn't give it enough gas. And, and so really when I made bogey on 12 
and I was six back with six to play and then like fourth or fifth place, I thought I was out of it. Right. Like I knew I needed to go crazy and make birdie, at least make birdie on 13. If I, you know, birdie Eagle on 15 and really just have to do something crazy just to even remotely have a chance. Cause we've seen plenty of guys make mistakes and plenty of guys make epic runs. And I ended up, making par on 13 i played that hole in even par for the week which really is the difference maker of me winning and losing yeah and uh you know almost hold my bunker shot on 15 made birdie on 17 and made a bomb on 18 and next thing you know i see hideki make double on six or 15 and then i'm like mm, this isn't over and you know then you know i hit a couple okay shots coming in and you know, and then I, I basically, I, I was like, you know what? I need to go back and warm up just in case. I don't know what's going to happen here. And um, when I, I think he made a really nice par on 17. I was like, ah, he's got this in the bag, you know. But it still was just, it was funny how most people think that, you know, get down to the final nine holes and it should be this, like, you know, just epic moment for, you know, just this massive climax of emotion or whatever, or, you know. And for me, it was almost like deflating. Just because it was like, oh man, I've been in contention this whole time, and you know now it's finally out of reach, and it's like we made it this far, and so it was just kind of funny how I'm like trying to get my emotions up Sunday on the back nine at the Masters, and I'm like, I don't think I'd ever be thinking this, but you know that's just the truth. I mean, it was just it was honestly like a disappointment, and I I really had to regroup when I got to 15, and just say like, you know, hey, you know, make birdie here, and then you know just go one shot at a time and see what. See if we can get this thing to add up to. So, yeah, that had uh, kind of had to be a sick feeling watching him. Like I think bogey three out of the last four holes, where you're like, oh man, like this. Yeah, it's so just, like two shots. I could find two shots in the last, you know, last round or the last two days. Well, yeah. I mean, my goodness, the amen corner just the last day. I mean, bogey and twelve and parring thirteen. I mean, that's there, there it is. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I I did so much right to get myself oh, in that yeah. situation that. I mean, I, you know, I, I had made so many good par putts, so many, you know, just nice saves that have just kept me in the golf tournament that, um, you know, the chip shot that I hit on five at the last day, I think I, you know, Josh Gregory and I are still talking about it just because it was just so freaking good. Um, you know, I, I chipped it or I hit my four iron. It like ran up the slope shore of the green on five and then ran all the way back down, but it was straight on. So if I hit it with too much gas, it's going to jump up the hill and we'll go 40 feet by. If I miss it six feet right, it's going to run all the way back down to the front right part of the green. If I miss it three feet left, it's going to run 50 feet almost directly behind me. And so I hit the shot, checks up the hill, literally just barely rolls over and goes to like an inch. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is I'm, uh, That's an all-timer. You know, that's just well, yeah, and it's just like it's a momentum builder for the round. But, um, yeah, we had a long story short. After all that, we had a it's we had a good celebration that night. So as as much as you know, finishing second to me is almost kind of disappointing. Um, just because it's like you know you try that hard and you come up just one shot short. But you know it's motivating as hell and. And, but we made sure that we celebrated hard that night. Well, that's good. You have to, I mean, that's a, 
for where you are in your career and how you, I mean, just getting into that masters, it would have been so easy for anyone to be like, Holy cow, I get to play in, in the masters because I, you know, got in on this top 50 and Hey, let's just enjoy it. And instead of you go in there and actually say, Hey, I, I can compete. I can, I can get myself in a position to potentially win this thing. And, and like I said, I, I was not, I mean, not just saying it cause we're talking, but I was just watching the interviews after that Saturday round. And I'm like, they have no idea. Like he's, he's going to, he's going to contend for this tomorrow. He's not just going to hang something ugly and limp home and be like, all right, well, you know, cool. I got to play in the masters. I did not see that at all. So, and you get to come back. Uh, obviously you're coming back next year. Now, I mean, I feel that no episode is really a complete episode here without talking about Hagestad. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud, but, <laughs> but he, but he listens to this podcast and you know, he's you're one of your former Walker cup teammates and he, he is your he is the another uh, the, well he has won another U.S. mid amateur championship. He's going to be at Augusta next year. That has to be exciting for you. I mean that. I mean really, w- what else is going to make your make your experience that much greater to see Hagestead getting through the gates? Now do do you big time him if he comes to you asking for a practice round? Do you kind of say, hey look, Phil, I got this thing with Phil. I mean, do do you do that or you know do you say that look this game's a little bit out of your league, Hagestad? So why don't Dude. you? I mean, what, what do, you, do you have? Anything? I big time him or does he big time me? Now, Dan, I think, oh my God. I think that's the real question. I, uh, I was, I was going the other way with this, but you can go take this question <laughs> any way you want to, but I mean, you guys are going to have a little bit of fun though, right? Oh yeah. No, we'll, uh, I, I guarantee it. We'll get a practice run in. So I gotta, I gotta make sure Papa Stew is still Papa Stew. So. Now, he, now you also mentioned uh, a, a guy that I'm trying to get on the podcast here. Um, your your manager of the Walker Cup team, Robbie Zalznick. Now, I have been trying to get him for some time, and Hagestad doesn't think I'm going to be able to make that happen. Now, I think I can. It's going to take the right timing and maybe you know a bottle of wine or some you know giving up. Some, You're on the right track get, with that idea. Okay, give it. I'm probably going to need to give up some editorial control of the final product, but. Uh, do you think I can make this happen or do you think I'm, I'm reaching too much? I would love to have Robbie on because, and you could even just give him just say, Hey, I want 20 minutes of the pranks that you pulled on people in the locker room at us opens and us ams and give me your top 10 best pranks. Cause I would, I would love to hear it. I don't, and, but that's stuff that I don't know if I'm going to be able to get. I mean, I, I that's, no, I, I think we could get it out of them because I, I mean, I like the ones how that you're saying. I like how you're saying we. See, I really enjoy that. See, maybe what I need to do is get a co-host. Maybe, maybe you could be a special. Maybe that's what we need to do. I'll be. A, I would happily be a special co-host just oh. to hear Bobby Zelsnick give his top ten pranks that he's pulled in the locker room because he is gotten me so good over the last two years especially he's he is tied up my locker with rope he has put the happy gilmore uh caddy happy gilmore's caddy up there he put owen wilson's caddy or owen wilson's uh picture up there he took the hinges off my door and velcroed them (laughs) right i mean like (laughs) <laughs> sorry um, sorry that's not my that's not funny that's that's awful well that's I, awful he, he only velcroed the top so i would like pull the door open it would be like a you know a, i don't know but it oh um 
he's had um, bag storage is available in the locker room sign, and then in parentheses, except you, Kevin Kisner. Uh huh. I think um, I remember that one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, he's got, but there's some that are just so deep and so good that, I mean, I, I would love to know him. Yeah. But that's the thing is they're all PG or they're all like or PC. I mean, like right. they're, it's not like it's. It's not like this is stuff that he needs to hold back because he's scared of like losing his job or something. See, I'm like, I, 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 dude, they're awesome. I like, know, they're honestly, awesome. Like I, he, it's like, it's like he. I mean, seriously, like he could write a book on pranks, right? I, I'm not trying. Like, see, I'm not trying to get him to share like the stuff. Like, the, look, there's stuff. And actually, when when you were on the last episode, we talked about the celebration after you guys won. And look, if you're listening figure it out they're young guys between 19 and 24 or whatever age yes they probably drank too much after they won the walker cup Ooh, revelation shocker um put that aside i want the fun silly stuff like this i don't want to know where the bodies are hidden i don't care about that shit i don't want no, that's not what i want i want the fun unique stuff like hey you've had your hand uh you know on all these walker cup teams I want to hear about like the funny disaster stories of like clubs getting lost or, you know, which player just couldn't seem to figure out what clothes to wear and got, got the scripting wrong. That's the shit I want. I want the funny stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um, especially with Seminole with that sort of a, with the stomach flu disaster, that thing. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh yeah. I, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, well, I'm not he going anywhere. Be- I'm going to I'm going to work on him, but I love the fact that you kept saying we. I think we found a new a new angle on this. This is good. This is good. He is I mean, there's nobody like the guy. So, maybe, if we can Maybe you'll just I, do the episode and I'll just hit the record button and sit quietly in the corner. Maybe that's the way to do it. Oh my god. Unless you're busy playing in the PGA Tour. I no, mean, what, you know, I whatever. Would, I, I mean, would happily I would happily do it, but I love how that actually just kind of stressed me out just because it's like, oh, my God, what? I mean, I've got so many questions and so, I know so many stories and he's got so much dirt on me, too, that I'm like, I I got to be careful with what questions I ask. <laughs> some of us, some of us have sponsors to be worried about and I'm not one of them. So, um, but it's not even sponsors. It's just that he's got stories about me that if I start telling stories about him, he's got some serious ammo. Okay. So. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to, we will, we'll work on this. We will definitely yeah. explore this. Um, now before I forget, I know we're kind of jumping around here, but you mentioned your journal. I, this is something that maybe in the last several years, if you're following, uh, you know, uh, you know, if you're following entrepreneurship, uh, if you're following business classes, or if you're following anything on on uh, social media, a lot of people talk about the benefit of keeping a journal. So I did want to skip over that when you mentioned it. How, how long have you been keeping a journal? And what kind of, not obviously specifics, but what is the use case for it that has helped your career? Yeah, I mean, so I've used it for probably seven or eight years. Okay. Um, I've used it differently um over the seven or eight years and in reality it's it's just something that i use to try to convey kind of my mindset and thought process at at any given time um you know like the example i could give you is uh mississippi in the second round this year in jackson i shot 61 and I, I knew I was going to play good that day, but it's not like I'm sitting there on the first seat saying, Oh, I'm going to shoot 61. I right. just, I had a, 
I just really felt good with where my game was at. And it's like, okay, why, you know, what are the things that, you know, where am I getting that confidence from? Because the day before I honestly, I was kind of useless. I think I'd shot like even or one under or maybe even two under at, at best and was just kind of, you know, kind of plotting it around, hitting it to 20, 30 feet, just making pars, you know, maybe make, you know, hit one to 10 feet, make birdie and, you know, just kind of nothing going. And, you know, the day before that, I had shot like six over in the nine hole practice or nine hole pro-am. And I'm like, you know, I don't really read into pro-ams, but I'm going, eh, yeah, that, that's a bad sign. I haven't, I haven't seen that before. Like, and I've seen a few over before a tournament. I haven't seen like, you know, where the hell's the club face? Um, but, you know, little things like, you know, what, you know, where, you know, what are some things that I maybe saw that Thursday night that, um, or Thursday, you know, after the round that I was, was like, Hey, you know, actually, this actually feels kind of good. And then went out and, and went crazy. I mean, it could be anything from, um, general notes about, um, anything career related could be just notes from, you know, maybe a book I'm reading, um, you know, even just quotes I hear, or you know, stuff that I hear from, you know, maybe a podcast or something, you know, maybe some guy mentions, um, you know, some technique or product that they use. Like I, I, I'm big into, you know, I was a psychology major at Wake Forest. And so I'm big into all that stuff. And, you know, any, you know, elite athlete, you know, really needs to just keep asking questions. You know, that's every single day, you know, how do you get better? I mean, just ask better questions and, I think that it's been a good thing for me to, you know, try in my own words in the moment or, you know, right after the moment, I guess, to try to get, you know, like, you know, where my head was at that Saturday, Sunday at Augusta, um, you know, and, you know, in reality, the other part too is, you know, sometimes, you know, the biggest thing that a lot of people talk about now is, you know, having, you know, gratitude where it's like, you know, if we ever, you know, especially in college, you know, I, I've told this to coach Haas that I really was a pain in the ass when I was there. Um, and I, I just, you know, I just thought I was really, really good. And then, you know, I was good, but I just wasn't that good. And, you know, I, you know, I knew everything, you know, just kind of a, a hot head and, and reality, it's like, you know, I kind of told him, I was just like, you know, Hey, I'd know how big of a pain in the ass I was. And so, you know, I just want to say thank you for, you know, helping me become better. And it only took me a couple of years down the road for me to realize it. And, you know, that's the thing that just makes him such a good coach is that, you know, he basically, he made me better. Um, and, you know, he always tried super hard to try to get me to have the right attitude. And, you know, and I just, honestly, I just did a bad job of doing it. And I think, you know, just not appreciating every single moment. Cause that's the thing, especially when you're in college, this time flies, but man, when you're on a college golf team, it's just so much fun. I mean, you have no responsibility in terms of, you know, besides playing golf and taking care of school. And besides that, you can do whatever you want to do. And, you know, being able to enjoy that moment. And for me, I was so fixed on getting to the next level that I think I definitely could have enjoyed it more, yeah. but, you know, being able to sit down, you know, put down some thoughts and, um, kind of unload. It, it really helps just because, you know, this year I played, I played 33 events this year. I, you throw in probably three weeks of miscellaneous travel, whether it's vacation or, um, 
you know, sponsor stuff or just any sort of, you know, something, you know, you're not home and then, you know, throw in probably two weeks for, you know, Christmas and the holidays where you're kind of, you know, you're out of your routine, you know, you're with family, which is great. But, you know, when you're thinking of it in terms of peak performance, you you know, basically this year I'm, I'm down to having about two and a half months just to myself. And so being able to decompress from the year and, you know, fully understand, you know, my time management, that's another big aspect to it. So I'm a big, I, you kind of asked me a question that obviously I'm very passionate about. Um, that really has been the one constant that I've had really since my freshman year of college. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, the other thing I was thinking about too, with, with your year is, you know, you started trying to basically lock up your full-time job. You're trying to lock up a PGA tour card. You're trying to get out of the corn ferry tour. You're trying to just put the, as you mentioned, Canada and Mondays and mini, t- you're trying to get the, all out of that in your past, in the rear view, trying to get yourself solidified. And then you have this really, this crazy breakout year that's very unique. And then after the master's, you become someone that, hey, um, you know, there's companies that want to partner with you. And that's, you can't avoid that. That's part of, you know, Will Zellatoris Incorporated. And I was just kind of curious too, like you're mentioning being very present and, you know, in your journal, but all these other things are coming onto your plate that you didn't have to maybe worry about the last six or 12 months. And how do you balance, you got to keep somewhat of an eye on that. I know you have a great team behind you, but they need to bring stuff to you because they need to have you engaged on it. How have you been able to balance that with, um, you know, obviously you got to perform on the golf course. How have you kind of juggled that? Well, and that's, you know, you put the nail on the head when I've got, you know, the people around me that, you know, basically everyone around me is just trying to help me be a better golfer. And because that takes, you know, being a better golfer takes care of business deals. It takes care of, um, you know, any other responsibilities you have out there, whether you're trying to get more corporate, you know, money or whatever, you know, your number one objective is to go play good golf. And, you know, everyone has, you know, been there for me. And, you know, I, after being hurt and, you know, really frustrated with how I ended the year, I mean, everyone just said, you know, Hey, you really need to appreciate this year and, and just, you know, play with joy again, you know, this isn't work, you know? And so I think, I didn't really notice that I was trying to make that Ryder Cup team or trying to win a golf tournament really until it was probably mid-June, early July. Um, And when I got hurt and had to take some time off and I was actually, if I didn't win, I was planning on going to Europe and playing during the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, But I just needed the time to recover. And I, you know, when I came back those two weeks after i just was kind of like, Hey, you know, you're out here playing on the PGA tour, just try to have some fun and enjoy this. And, you know, let's kind of take a step back here. You know, remember three, four years ago when you're getting sponsors invites and you thought this was the coolest thing on earth, like it still is the coolest thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It still is, you know, so, you know, nothing's changed here. So, but I mean, you know, like I said, everyone around me has been, has been super supportive and you know like we were joking about earlier you know we there's been some life adjustments on my end you know i i would love to be superhero and and say that you know that this year definitely wasn't uh was easy because it was definitely hard but it was 
so much fun and you know the just lifestyle changes i mean you go from uh kind of general anonymity to all of a sudden you know my engagement gets picked up on people magazine and you're like you know it's just it's kind of like you know caitlin and i are looking at it like who cares i mean we're nobodies like but it's still <laughs> it's just you know it's just it's just different and Come on, and, she didn't you know, like she didn't like that at all. That didn't that didn't do anything. For, that didn't. Register. Well, no, I mean it's just it just was different. I mean, yeah. you know, we go from you know non golf fans knowing us. It's one thing when you know some some golf fans know us to all of a sudden some non golf fans even know who I am because they're you know screaming, you know, walking down the parking lot the week after uh, Augusta at a target and oh, a no. guy screaming mr gilmore i'm retatty you know, i, like, I yeah. just knew where i was going you get yeah. that no oh, but it's just like awesome. i that's mean awesome. these guys yeah but it's just kind of like you know it's it's uh it was different oh yeah well you're probably gonna get a lot more of that stuff so well we have uh we have done a great catch-up here it's nice to know that uh the back of the range mojo has the ability to drive someone from 610 all the way to 33 in the official world golf rankings <laughs> Uh, I feel that most of that credit goes to you, but I'm going to take some of it. So um, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy some downtime. I know that's really tough for you. You too, buddy. Yeah, I know it's going to be hard for you to enjoy some downtime, but enjoy yourself and uh, and uh, all great things to you and, and, and the family in 22. And uh, we'll do it again soon. I'm glad you stopped by the back of the range, Will. Always, man. Really appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Will Zalatoris for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. Thanks for a great 2021, and we'll see you again in 2022 here at the Back of the Range.